Blog Talk Radio.
morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group. Uh, it's from the CD Native Angels by Save, and it's a great uh, CD. It's many spiritual songs, songs with Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting. They're unlike anything that you've ever heard before. Um, you can get a... They're on Facebook, actually, Save a Vocal Group. And they're also... You can listen to them on YouTube, of course. And they also have a CD on Amazon. Uh, my my CD I got from Amazon is called Native Angels. I'm your host, Driven Sharma McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenant. That Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus. And we meditate and we read uh, from the Bible. I read from the Rari Study Bible. And you may use any Bible you wish, of course, and we have other readings, too. We read out of the guidebooks and other little meditation books I have. Uh, we're just intent on being our real selves, uh, spending a few minutes on Sunday morning to keep it sacred. We do this every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For our opening prayer, let's say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you for being here this morning. And we pray for all the Christians that are being persecuted worldwide, the freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray those who are suffering from violence here and at home and abroad. We pray for protection of our soldiers all worldwide and that they also may do the right thing in every course. We also we pray for delivery from freedom from addiction and violence at home and suffering domestic violence and from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your archangel, mighty archangel, Michael, to fight against evil and protect the ones who suffer all over the world, including the poor animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and other leadership and the rest of our policymakers. We also have many decisions to make. We're praying for all countries for problems suffering all over the world. And the worldwide, there are so many decisions that need to be made. And uh, we pray for protection and help against those who... Uh, crucify and make suffer others. We ask that Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and wisdom and knowledge and also less concerns for ourselves. And we also pray for those who suffer from every type of physical illness and mental illness. Thank you, God, so much. And we pray for everyone in their families and we keep everybody in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And then happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday today including my uh, good friend Ray Cordemus on Las Vegas. Happy birthday, Ray, and along with everybody else. Uh, if your good intentions, the people that got a certificate or anniversary or anything, I wish you all the best, and we pray for you and celebrate along with you. Uh, this morning we're using our, my Ryrie Study Bible. That's the one I use. Uh, and then you may use any Bible you wish, of course. And... Uh, the address for two online Bibles is www.biblegateway.com and also www.biblia.com. It has a good coordinates and everything else. So 
Uh, you remember last week we were uh, actually into Chapter 22, and quite a few chapters has been. It's been very uh, exciting. So, well, what's what's happening is that last week we were reading the, what happened with Paul, and he was addressing a crowd in Hebrew, which had them listening uh, uh, a bit, and then he told them he was a Jew, and he had a good Jewish home and respect for all laws and customs. And then he said uh, how he had persecuted, persecuted Christians himself. And then uh, he heard the voice of Jesus, which turned him around. And then, of course, uh, they got very angry for what he was saying and ended up beating him and uh, throw, tried to throw him in jail. Then they realized he was actually a Roman citizen. So they changed their mind, and once again, Paul escapes with his life. So this week we're going on to chapter 23. So get out your Bibles to chapter 23, and we can read it together. Okay, so chapter 23. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Oh, boy, so he's trying to speak, and they're already trying to slap him in the face. Anyway, then Paul said to them, God God is going to strike you, and you whitewashed wall. Do you sit... Wow. He's angry at this point. So let's read that that whole thing again. Like the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try to tell me, according to the law, and in violation of law, order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was a high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out to the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee. Now, this is where we find out that actually Paul's a Pharisee. I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. And as he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees as the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn in pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from there by force and bring him to into the barracks. Okay, so now Paul is escorted to Caesarea. But on that night, immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage. For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, you must witness at Rome also. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There was more than 40 who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under solemn oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now, therefore... You and the council notified the commander to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case by a more thorough investigation. 
and we, for our part, are ready to slay him before he comes near the place. Wow. This is a conspiracy. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. Hmm, okay, let's talk. Let's go through that again. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you since he was something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand and stepping aside began to acquire him privately. So what is it that you report to me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. Do not listen to them for there are more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him to have bound themselves under a curse, not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for for the promise from you. Hmm. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, get 200 soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea, with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. They were also to provide mounts to put Paul on and to bring him to safety to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter having this form. Okay, here's a letter. Claudius Lysus, to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him having learned that he was a Roman. And wanting to ascertain the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council, and I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. Well... So the soldiers, in accordance with their ill orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Anacatrus. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, they returned to the barracks. When these had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was from, and when he had learned that he was from Caesarea, and and when he had learned that he was from Sicilia, and he said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders from him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. Wow. So the plot against uh, Paul for right now is being saved because he's a Roman. This is very interesting. We found out that Paul by heritage is a Pharisee, and Paul still won't keep his mouth shut, so he's in trouble with everybody. So let's just read the notes. Um, 23, commanded to strike him. Ananias, the high priest, about 45 A.D. or 58 A.D., was probably insolent and overbearing. He was probably angered at Paul's bold claims and ordered him to be struck. Now, 23.3 was whitewashed wall, meaning hypocrite. 23.5, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest. Something... Paul's weak eyes caused him to fall, fail to recognize a high priest. However, the remark may have been sarcasm. 
like. I didn't think he was a high priest that would ever speak like that. Okay, so 23.6. In effect, Paul says, I, if rescued by inheritance and training, can hardly be regarded as a subversive teacher. He then proceeded to split the Sanhedrin into two factions by mentioning the resurrection, which the Sadducees denied, but the Pharisees believed. So now we're up to 23.11. Christ appeared to Paul four times at his conversion. In Corinth, on his first visit to Jerusalem, and here, during his last visit to Jerusalem. Okay, now we're on 23.16. Son of Paul's sister, only here is any mention made of Paul's immediate relatives. I know that's when I was reading it, that's what I was thinking about. Oh, there's a relative. I guess it was his nephew who came. Then Felix the governor, Roman procurator of Judea, that was AD 52 to probably 58, with headquarters in Caesarea. Then Antipatris, a military post about halfway between Jerusalem and Caesarea. And now we're up to 34. From what providence he was? Roman law requires that this question be asked at the opening of a hearing. But Paul had the right to be tried in his own province or in the province where the alleged crime was committed. Tarsus was in Sicilia. Felix was a deputy of the, the legate of Syria and Sicilia and so claimed the right to conduct the hearing. Whichever choice Paul made, such a detail is strong proof that Luke was with Paul at the hearing. Wow. That's another bit of information we have just by reading this, that Paul may have been present during all this. That's why Paul gives so, uh, Luke gives so many detailed uh, notes to this whole matter. So next week we'll go on to read uh, chapter 24 as we make our way through the entire New Testament. Uh, this is quite amazing and uh, very exciting to read and get to know things about this chapter. Very interesting. So let's uh, read our my. This is uh, my little daily meditations by Philip Farnham, Letting God. It's Christians Meditations for a Recovering Person. So let's look up what today's day is. So we're already we're on our way to the end of November now, and I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving, which I did. I was it was quiet. I was with family. I'm very grateful that. To got, I got to see almost everybody. Um, let's see. Let's go to, I just want to double check, be sure our date is correct. Okay, November 30th. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these men with bread here in the desert? That was Mark 8, 4. In Shakespeare's spirits, King Henry IV, there are words, My crown is in my heart, not my head not decked with diamonds or Indian stones not seen. My crown is called content. A crown king seldom wear. Wow. Wow. A recent self-help book lists the marks of a satisfied person. To be satisfied and serene, a person is meaning and has meaning and direction in life, rarely feels cheated or disappointed, has attained several major goals, is in love and gives love, has many friends, is cheerful, and is not insensitive to criticism, and has faith rather than fear. Another word for satisfaction is acceptance. Recovery is built around being able to absorb and accept life with all its pains and pleasures, and the 12 steps teach us how. 
One of the best ways to learn satisfaction is to begin appreciating little things, giving thanks for little favors, and developing an attitude of gratitude. Boy, we've been doing this all week, our attitude of gratitude. The more we demand to grab for it, complain about, worry over, the less we can value, cherish, savor, and enjoy and accept. The many little blessings is a choice we can all make. Dear Lord, open my heart to receive such moment as a blessing and help me to relax and be satisfied. Amen. That's the truth. Okay, so let's see. I want to read the Women's Spirit, too. So let's see. November 29th, Women's Spirit. What, 30th? Pardon me. Okay, November 30th. You're right where you're supposed to be. These circumstances in our lives evolve perfectly. Health problems develop, jobs don't work out, or even worse, significant others leave us. For a time, we can't cope. We become angry, distraught, or full of self-pity. When a sponsor or friend says you're just where you need to be, we want to scream. With time, however, we usually calm down and accept his message. A divine plan is unfolding in our lives. We don't know ahead of time the route that we will take or the destination we will arrive at. Our wisdom is simply the certainty that we are in the right place at the right time. Our higher power is in charge, and whatever our experiences, they are preparing us for the rest of our journey. Boy, that's so true. I am where I need to be today, and God is planning my trip. Leave it all up to God. His plans for Giovanni, he already, you know, God knows where he's going. So let's go to, uh, I have just enough time just to read a little bit of the guidebook. And then we'll get on with our week, and I really do wish everybody a blessed week ahead. So let me just randomly take our story out of my little guidepost magazine. My little, okay. So I ended up on the chapter five, help on the job. This is called Return to Juarez by Philip Wilson, M.D., Durham, North Carolina. That's a place I think about moving to. Anyway, the guard slammed the bar door shut in the Mexican jail I was visiting on January day, 1980. He walked off, his footsteps echoing the concrete corridor. I was locked inside of a huge reeking room, and I looked around. I think we... Did we already read this? I think we already read that. Sorry. Let's see, I love my job. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Well, you know me, I always make mistakes. Anyway, God loves me. Uh, I Love My Job by Eric Youngberg. He's from Mapleton, Utah. I loved my new job, but I couldn't stand my boss. He was popular with my colleagues, but the truth, he worked only while his supervision was on the floor. His projects piled up on my desk. To make matters worse, he took credit for my ideas while blaming me for his mistakes. One morning on the way to work, I popped a Bible cassette into the Carver stereo. But I say unto you, to hear, love your enemies, to good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. And they already said, reading Luke 6, 27-28. I pressed rewind. I gripped the steering wheel tighter and waiting to hear the words again. What am I going to do about my boss? He's driving me crazy, but I just can't quit. My wife and kids are counting on me. As I played the tape a second time, scripture sank in and I got an idea. Instead of complaining about the boss, I would pray for him. When I arrived at the office, I was concentrated on doing my best without worrying about who received credit for the work. As the day passed, my boss didn't change, but gradually things got better. My shoulders didn't tighten when he swaggered in, 
and toss his files, toss me his files. I would relax and tackle any project because I didn't concentrate on his fault. We still had our moments, and pretty soon I didn't think of him as my persecutor. And though prayer wasn't always make problems disappear, let me tell you the good news. Not only did the prayers change my perspective, a month later, my difficult boss was transferred. <laughs> God. Wow. It reminds me of a story. I had a, a very, very difficult supervisor and uh she was she was horrible she uh i work in the psychological field uh and uh this boss actually hurt clients and uh but there was no stopping her just like the, i just read she took credit for my work um i did all her work and um you know didn't get any credit for it and things like that and i still uh you know, persevered, and I try to help the clients where I may because, you know, it's it's worse if you're not present, and uh, that's what happened. Uh, there was a, a day that I just couldn't take it anymore, so I asked the uh, director in charge of um, domestic violence uh, if I could come down and sit with her groups and just just move out of the whole vicinity of my ex-supervisor. And uh, it was pretty bad. As soon as I left, uh, there was a bipolar girl in the group. Now, this is what I heard from the other directors and counselors who happened to be in the room, is that uh, the supervisor actually ordered the the bipolar girl's mouth taped shut during group, which is going back to the medieval times and dark ages as far as I'm concerned. So I told the director when she came down to talk to me, I said, well, why aren't you doing something about it? I said, you know, I've been up there fighting that good fight all this time, and it's about time you guys stepped in. I didn't see this. You have to make the call. So she did make the call. Anything one led to another, and I did start praying for that evil supervisor. And as a matter of fact, they found out that there was embezzlement going on, this just terrible treatment of clients, and the investigation uh, went and actually found us, uh, not only her but other people guilty of various uh, horrible things against this, uh, these poor mental health and substance abusing patients. Anyway, you know, I still prayed for that supervisor. She had a house that she had worked so hard for, uh, and uh, I knew that uh, she was sick. She was a desperate person, so I, I decided to pray for her anyway. And uh, But I also said a specific prayer to God. I said, you know, God, I'm very aware she needs a job, but also, God, put her in a place where she can't hurt anybody. So anyway, after an intensive uh, investigation, you know, uh, uh, people were fired, uh, somebody went to prison. Uh, it was uh, pretty hideous. And, you know, I just kept praying, and I, I safely... Uh, no longer work there, and uh, it it worked out. I got actually a very much better job, and it turned out really good. But one day I heard uh, what had happened to that evil supervisor, and with the prayer that I uh, I had for her that she get a job in a place where she couldn't hurt people anymore. So my evil supervisor actually got a job in a mortuary. And I remember when I heard that, I was so stunned I went there, she can't hurt people anymore. They're already dead. 
So I remember getting down on my knees and praying to God that his will, not mine, be done. And uh, that anything he, that God could figure out was perfection. And uh, so that's the way that story ended. But, you know, I moved on to bigger and better things. And uh, it's better to pray for those that persecute you and actually keep an attitude of gratitude. That's what I've been working on with all my groups this week is having gratitude for what we have and uh, not complaining so much and being grateful for the little things. So this is coming to the end of our day today, and I really appreciate everybody for listening in, and God bless you and people telling me they're listening in archives. And, you know, next week we're going to actually go to Chapter 24. We've learned lots of things today in this Chapter 23. And I want to God bless everybody. So uh, in closing prayer, let's do our traditional serenity prayer after a moment of silence for out there for people still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week and bring your family and friends. And you can also listen in archives uh, any day you want. So all the old uh, sermons are also available. And I want to thank you for listening. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you so much. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember, you can always message me for your concerns or uh, anything else you want us to do, a special prayer. And just remember, God bless you. We love you. And come back next week and be grateful this week. Love you. Amen.